Welcome to the Health Fix Podcast, where health junkies get their weekly fix of tips, tools, and techniques to have limitless energy, sharp minds, and fit physiques for life. Hey, health junkies. On this episode of the Health Fix Podcast, I'm interviewing Dr. Brianne Showman. She's a good friend of mine. She's a physical therapist, in fact, a doctor of physical therapy, and she's been doing it for over 16 years. So when Brie talked to me about hormone changes she was experiencing and wanting to know more info, especially as a CrossFit athlete, I was like, yes, let's talk about this because I don't get a chance to share a lot of what I experience openly on the podcast because I'm interviewing other people. But Dr. Bree and I are getting older. We're over 40 and we're trying to stay fit and we're experiencing hormone changes that a lot of women are talking about. But I think we are the first generation, like Bree says in, in the podcast, to really openly talk about perimenopause, but also be women who are athletes and higher level athletes and doing a lot of really cool things. And I want people to do that. I want people to dream. I want you to be thinking about like, what are all the things I want to do in life and who cares how old I am? And, and really hormones can get in the way of that and be one of the things that holds women back. And I don't want that to be the case. Neither does Dr. Bree. And so we are going to have a podcast today where we are just talking about hormones, what we're experiencing, what we're doing to counter it, and just share our experiences. So this one's a fun one. Can't wait for you guys to check it out. Let's get on with the podcast. Hey, Hell Junkies, I have Dr. Bree Showman on, and we're going to be talking about hormones. And one of the things that she just brought up that I really want to talk about is like, we could quite possibly be the first generation of women who are really working out harder and trying to figure out how do we work out with this hormone thing and how do we deal with it? So welcome back to the Health Fix podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here and talking to you again. Yeah. And and one of the big things, you know, that that you and I have kind of been working with and 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 me too, you know, we're we're both in our 40s. We're both trying to figure out this perimenopausal business is like, how does it fit into workouts and how can we still work out hard? Because there's so many people, and you probably heard this, like so many people saying, like, weightlifting is great, but don't push it too hard. And then you're like, don't do too much cardio. And you're like, well, what the F do I how much can I do? Like, where, you know, had, have you had that question to yourself? Like, like what's too much and what's not enough? Like, yes and no. And I think it comes up more when I just have those days, like it's better now, but still have those days of like, just feeling sluggish or just not having the strength and, and, um, like wanting to be able to push harder, but I just feel like my body isn't on some days. And so it's not really a, no one's really necessarily asked me the question, but it's more of me just kind of thinking as far as during my own workouts, um, like what, like going through this perimenopause, going through these hormone changes, what is the body still capable of doing? Right. Right. Cause like there's all these women online and you've probably seen it too. Like all these mobility challenges of women in their like sixties. And then there's this one lady who hangs on bars and like takes her clothes off and puts them back on. Have you seen her? I'm I like, have. wow. You know, and, and, that I can do. But the mobility challenges, I get really confused as to what I'm supposed to do. And I have to keep watching it. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm just going to do my own mobility challenge at this point. But the point is, is like, yeah, you're looking at this and you're like, what's normal? 
for this age? Like, what can I push my limits and be okay? And, and, and what's not. And, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I too, in the back of my mind, you know, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but like in the middle of like a deadlift workout, I all of a sudden started crying. And I'm like, I wasn't sad. Like nothing was going on. I've got tears coming down my eyes. And I'm like, what in the world has that ever happened to you? Have you ever cried during a workout? Like um, out of nowhere. Like, I mean, there's reason. <laughs> there's, there's, well, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> um, only on workouts where I'm just like, so, well, I shouldn't say that. Usually it's more when I'm so like mentally frustrated because there's either something I'm just like a movement I'm struggling with and I just am like beyond struggling or typically it's more if I've had a really rough week and I'm just so like mentally and emotionally overwhelmed already and then it's a hard workout and that's usually if it's going to happen, that's when it happens. Oh my goodness. It's one, of, it, I don't know. It's just bizarre. And it's one of those things I ask women about. Cause like a couple of women have like, when I posted on it before them, like, yes, that happens to me. But, but more than anything, I think one of the biggest things is trying to figure out with like cycles and like period, like when's a good time to go? When's not a lot of people will say like, ovulation. And, and I, I do talk about it too, is like a great time to do the hardest workouts, but then when you're, you have your period, sometimes it's better to adjust. Have you found that that's kind of been the way for you to kind of look at things? It's, you know, it's interesting because I've, I've, I haven't noticed too much of a difference. Well, I shouldn't say, but I haven't been able to track any like during this time of the month, I'm always stronger or this time of the month, I'm always more sluggish or anything, but it's interesting. I when I had my podcast, I had a guy on at one point that said during like the first couple of days of the cycle is actually when we're at our strongest. So we should be able to hit some good PRs then. But then as I've been reading some stuff since then, it's, it's, it contradicts that. So I'm like, I'm kind of at this point too. That I'm like, I'm not sure what to believe because I've heard multiple aspects of different times of the cycle. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm to the point with my training, you know, as you get older, you get wiser. Um, <laughs> that's just like, you know, if I'm just not feeling it that day, like just don't push as hard, you know, or if I can't get a weight up that I should, would normally be able to get up. Like, okay, it is what it is. Um, I'm, I'm just kind of listening to my body now rather than trying to force something to happen. That's just not a good day. Makes sense. I mean, makes sense. And and I do think everyone's individual. I think there's like parameters that we can kind of look at in terms of the cycle. And and one of the things that, you know, you experience and, and I myself have experienced as well is really heavy bleeding and it not stopping and being like, you know, for me, it's like, I don't even want to go to the gym when I don't know if I'm going to bleed through my tights, right? You're like, oh my God, like, this is embarrassing. It's deadlift or squat day. And like, <laughs> You know, your coach is watching you. And then what if I start bleeding everywhere? Like, I don't know if you ever had like these things in your head where your head goes down these like crazy rabbit holes of like, what if, what if the blood's like running down my leg and on the floor? <laughs> like, what do I do? So tell us your story in terms of, you know, let, let's go through your story in terms of the heavy bleeding and kind of some of the experience, the experience that you had where, where you and I were kind of talking over the last couple of months as to, to what's kind of played out for you. Yeah, absolutely. And it wasn't even something I was thinking was hormone changes. It was just more of like, okay, something's like, this is really weird. I, like I was going through like, 
um, the super tampons within like three or four hours, which was like totally abnormal for me. I would like just crazy bleed, like go through so many in a day, which, um, yeah, it was definitely not normal. And that would happen like month after month after month. And I was like, what the heck? Um, <laughs> and it was kind of those things. It's like, yeah, you got to like, make sure you change before you go to the gym, take one with me as a just in case, like, I'm going to be there for two hours. You never know what might happen. And, and, um, I, I got to the point too, it's cause I did, when I first started noticing it heavier, I bled through a tampon, bled through a pad and was like dripping down my leg in the morning when I got out of bed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what WTF, like what is going on? So ever since then, it's like my paranoia now, it's like when I have my period, when I know it's those heavier days, I'm like, if I wake up during the night and go to the bathroom, like I'll change it. Like it'll, I'll have it on the counter. It'll be, I won't turn the light on, but I'm like, I don't even care because I'm not risking this anymore. But you, you get traumatized to a point. Oh, yeah. I, I felt like it, like to the point where I was like, okay, black jeans only, you know, these days, like you just... I don't know if this started like when I was younger and I don't know if you had this experience, but when you're a teenager and you're trying to figure out your period, like you have some accidents, right? And then you get a couple things on the jeans and like you remember that and you're like, like I literally was like, I'm never wearing white pants again. That's it. Everything's black from here on out, you know, but, but I, I did get scared. Like, cause you, cause you get to bleeding and you go, what if I don't stop? Like, what if this keeps going? Because the most I've bled was 62 days in in a row. And I counted every day. And I've had to counsel a lot of patients through the different days and going like, look, you know what? We can do this. We There, there are herbs, things of that nature. So give us a little scoop like when you were bleeding and it like wasn't seeming to stop and it was pretty heavy, like in your head, what was, what was going down? Like, were you, were you panicking a little bit? It's like, what if I never stop bleeding? Like what? It wasn't that bad for, just because it was like, it didn't last as long as what yours, what you're saying yours did. Like it was probably my heavy days, probably at most, probably at the worst was like maybe three, maybe four, but it was just kind of those things. I'm like, okay, we need to increase my iron intake. We need to do like do these things. Cause I don't need to get anemic right now as I'm as this is happening. Um, so it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't ever like nonstop necessarily, but it was just definitely different than I, what I was used to. It's crazy. It, it's, I mean, you think to yourself like, whoa, <laughs> what's happening now? Did you have any cramps or like major clots or anything that kind of came along with yours? Every once in a while, the clots, not real often, but they will happen every once in a while. Um, cramping, I usually always right around the first day of my cycle, maybe this, maybe into the second day, a lot of times I'll get cramps. Um, they have been, it's always hit or miss. Some months are really bad and I need to take some leave and other days or other months are really not as bad. So that's kind of hit or miss. Um, but I have had bigger clots the past probably year. You know, a lot of docs will talk about fibroids and and high estrogen levels. And of course, that's something that I instantly, because when we're in this perimenopausal realm, we're like high estrogen, then it drops and high, and then it drops. And the clots are are linked to that. And, and it's linked to uterine lining thickening. And and so did you have any imaging done? I can't remember. Did, did you get a transvaginal ultrasound or anything for them to look and see what was going on with your uterus at all? I have not. Okay. Yeah. Me either. I, I chose not to do it just because I was like, eh, I kind of know what's up. You know, I'm going to ride it out if it got heavier and I couldn't get it to stop. 
may be, but you know, working that angle. So let's, let's talk about getting, getting the different symptoms that you had. So we had the heavy period moods, mm -hmm. insomnia. Let's talk about sleep. Let's talk about that. Tell us a little bit more about what else you were experiencing when, when the period went off the rails. Um, definitely difficulties. It was more of, especially like during that first week of my cycle, difficulty falling asleep. Um, we kind of got that under control and then it was more of, I would wake up, um, well for my middle of the night, which is like 11 to 12, somewhere in there. Cause I get up crazy early, um, <laughs> go to bed early, get up crazy early. Um, but I would wake up and I would just like be wide awake and need to take something to fall back asleep. And, and so I was, I was getting this sleeplessness that just wasn't normal for me. Cause normally I'm a really good sleeper. Um, and so I've really had to work on figuring out with your help on like what to take before, before going to bed to make sure I can fall asleep and stay asleep. What ended up being the magical formula for sleep for you? What ended up being the good combo? So before bed, I do 400 milligrams of magnesium, 700 milligrams of ashwagandha, and 800 milligrams of L-theanine. Gotcha. And have you had any nights where you, like, maybe you're traveling and you forgot to take it, and what happened if you didn't take it? Are you able to kind of flux, or are you like, I'm not chesting it out yet? <laughs> I can do, I found, like, if I travel, I'll usually always take the pills with me. I may go without the magnesium mm -hmm. and I found, I still do pretty well without the magnesium as long as I have the others. Um, but I have not tried since I've started them. I haven't tried to go without. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that makes, I like you my know, sleep. <laughs> that's the thing. And that's the thing that I find with like a lot of women, you know, like when we find something that works, we just go with it. Right. Don't, don't, don't keep trying to mess up the apple cart or, or disrupt the apple cart as I call it. Just, just go with it until like you've been like a couple solid months and then maybe you can flex a little bit, but yeah, sleep's so important. Now from not having your workout or not having your sleep and, and then getting sleep, I'm guessing that changed your workouts and how it felt in the body. I would love for you to kind of describe to, to folks who are listening, what, it feels like in the body when you're like trying to slog through getting some sleep and not getting it to when you fully get sleep. What does it felt like for you? What is it kind of, you know, give it, give us a scoop. Yeah. Are you talking workouts or just life in general? Both. Both. Um, but workout thing is, it's hard to judge because we also, as I got my sleep better, I also, we got the hormones figured out and was able to get that as far as I know leveled out. I have blood work again in two weeks, but I think it's leveled out. So that was kind of going hand in hand, but my workouts essentially in July, like my strength was gone. My motor was gone. I was thinking I was in like, and then this overtraining, um, which chimed out perfectly because I was going on vacation. So I was like, awesome week off. <clears throat> we'll be good. I'll come back. I'll be awesome. And I came back and it was not awesome. Like still had no motor. I could barely stand up, which for me is, should have been a lightweight. I could barely, I couldn't even stand up 200 pound squat when normally I could do like a two, 
200, like rip out five easily. So that was all like shot. And then over, that was also when my sleep wasn't great. Yeah, we hadn't, I hadn't worked on that. Um, and then over the span of like from July to probably November timeframe, um, my motor gradually came back. My strength gradually came back. It's still not back to where it was. Um, uh, I did lose some strength, but, um, yeah, just everything feels more normal now, like, or at least like it did before I should say. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, and, and that's important to hear that, that it's back to normal. It feels, you know, like where things were, because I think a lot of women feel like, uh oh, once things start to change, it's never going to be able, like you can't go back. And and I know that there's individual changes, of course, but it is good to hear that you were able to get back in and, and start building strength again. And I think for a lot of women too, we, we think, oh no, is there a point at which we won't gain any more muscle? Give us the, yeah. cause I've seen you do muscle ups in the last couple like weeks on social media. And so do you feel like you're still actively building muscle right now? Do you feel like it's still happening? I do. But I also did go through those probably the like August, September, October timeframe. I kind of was going through that. Like, do I have to stop competing? Like, um, is this my new normal? Um, I was kind of just trying to like reevaluate and like, what, am, what does 2024 look like for me with competitions? Like, is this going to be a thing? Um, but I do feel like my definition is coming back again, as far as in my shoulders and my legs. So I'm definitely getting the strength back that, and the muscle back that I had, had lost before. Definition. That's important to hear because I know a lot of women will tell me, and, and this happened to me, I think pretty much from probably between 2000, 2022 and 2023, I lost a lot of my definition and kind of felt like it had more of a fat suit developing over my body. And I'm like, oh my God, this isn't my body. And I saw a picture of myself at my cousin's wedding and my arms, I've always been big, but I didn't have any definition. They look like inflated, like I looked puffy. And I was like, oh God, what, you know, what the heck? So seeing your body change like that is hard, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Especially when you're used to having that, having the muscle. It's, you see it and you're like, oh my God. Did you get down some nasty rabbit holes in the head about, oh my God, what if I never get my de definition back? Did you think anything in that department or you're like, I got this, it's fine? Um. Yeah, I haven't gone there yet. I think it was, I was still dealing with the, just the frustration of like, why am I so freaking weak right now? <laughs> Right. No, like I got to a point, no joke, in 2022, I got to a point where I couldn't even do one pull up. I don't know, like all of a, like it wasn't all of a sudden, it was over the course of time. Like I, I just would get so tanked and I'd go to do a pull up and I couldn't even do it. I'm like, oh my gosh, something's wrong. This is not me. You know? Yeah. Where, where did you see the most strength loss? Was it squats? I think, cause you had mentioned like you were having trouble getting like standing up on a 200 pound squat, but like what, what else did you see that? Um, awesome kind of everything and, and something else too. And I don't know if it was related or not, or if it was just a coincidence, I kind of think they're related. Um, the other reason I kind of had to take a step back with everything is I had in May, I had PRP on my shoulder. Mm. Um, just from my own ultrasound training, we found a small or a partial tear in the, one of my rotator cuff muscles. So we're like, let's just do some maintenance on it. Let's take care of it. It was kind of a, 
it was perfect timing for what should have been like after the open, after quarterfinals, before my next qualifier. And so I did a PRP and it completely shut my shoulder down. Like my shoulder blade, like it all forgot how to work. Like there was no like scap retraction. There was no stability. Like it was gone. Um, it probably took until it was either September, October timeframe that finally I was like, oh, I can do a hang scap retract again or a scap pull up. Like, so the shoulder stuff like went completely gone too, which is the other thing that like, and I don't know if it was because all the hormone changes were going on. Um, or if it was just something the way my body reacted to that PRP, even though I've had PRP before, um, I'm not sure, but that was the other issue that kind of happened at the same time of everything is my shoulder just forgot how to work. <laughs> my gosh. You know, I see, and this is something I see in my practice all the time is like women will have shoulder, like frozen shoulder. And I'm sure you've seen this being a physical therapist, you know, frozen shoulder in women over 40, frozen shoulder, especially in women over 50 and, and having shoulder stuff. But interesting that you just kind of lost the strength with the PRP. I wonder, so here's where my mind went on that. My mind went to like, I wonder if there's an estrogen component to the PRP working for women in particular and, and estradiol, the most useful estrogen. Mm -hmm. If at that point you had tanked and had higher of inflammatory estrogen and lower of the useful estrogen. I don't know. It's just dawned on me like, hmm. it's yeah, highly possible. Okay, here's a wild question. Do you remember, and it's okay if you don't, do you remember if you were near your period or right after your period when you had the PRP done? Do you know um, your cycle? Let me grab my phone. I can check my calendar. Mm. Let's look, because that would be interesting to see if there was like a low, like, because we're going to be low in in estrogen right as the period we get into the period. And that's why like Chinese medicine tells women not to push as hard during when they're they're on their period, which is interesting because Western medicine in, in a lot of folks research, they're like, yeah, from day one of your period to mid cycle, push it. And mid cycle at ovulation, that's the time where you can PR and sprint. But I'm like, hmm, interesting. I wonder if there was something there. 22 days. Okay. So it would have been after ovulation heading into period. Hmm. A lot of women will sprain or strain their ankles or like roll their ankles and stuff either mid-cycle or right before the period. Wonder wonder if there was like low estrogen component. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's just me being a geek, but something to think about because I have, yeah. you know, and, and maybe it's something that we think about because, you know, you recommending folks for, for PRP, me you know, recommending folks too. like, maybe we need to find, think about when would be a good time for folks to have the PRP. Yeah. Cycles. I don't know. It could be a research study we're thinking about right here. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to think about because, you know, I didn't know. It's good to have your input on as far as like that perspective of it, because it's just something I've been thinking about the past couple of months, as far as like with the hormone changes could have that impacted what happened with the shoulder? Maybe. Like if I think about like, okay, estrogen's lower when we first start the period. And then as we get up towards ovulation, it's coming up higher and then it comes back down a bit. So like ideally in a perfect world, having PRP around ovulation 
might be like the sweet spot, like just before ovulation, because it does dip down after. Yeah. So I'm like, hmm, ladies out there, this might be a tip. <laughs> You're going to get <laughs> you still have a cycle um, before ovulation, maybe, maybe the secret. I don't know. It's it's something to think about. It's something to think about. Now, in all of this, did you have any headaches or migraines or anything in that department or visual changes, faintness, dizziness? I definitely haven't. I haven't had any headaches or migraines. Um, I have been more, when you talk about the dizziness, faintness, I have been more electrolyte sensitive. I've <laughs> always been able to tell as well. Let's see, ever since about 15 years ago now, I was, I was training for a marathon. I was like exhausted, like almost fell asleep driving home, um, took a like three hour nap, was exhausted when I woke up, got electrolytes in me. I was like wide awake in like 15 minutes. I was like, all right. So ever, and then like, I've been to a con ed course a few years later, had like nausea, dry heaves. I was like, what the heck? I was at the airport. Got some like seven up that didn't help. Got some since in the airports, there's not a whole lot of options. Got some Gatorade for electrolytes and like went away. So I've started realizing kind of my symptoms with electrolytes. And um, I've been noticing I'm more like I have to use the element packets a little bit more frequently. Um, there was one day at work, I was kind of dizzy and lightheaded. And so I just got some electrolytes in me and it kind of, it went away. So I have noticed that aspect of it, um, that my body's just a lot more electrolyte sensitive than it, than it used to be. It's a great point. It's a great point. And, and I think I've seen that quite a bit too with myself, but also with, with patients, it seems like I, of course, I'm going to run it on, on labs and see what the sodium potassium chloride show up as. And if it's borderline low, my recommendation is quite often to get the electrolytes. So yeah, I mean, I think for myself, I'm going to be honest. I don't, I haven't pushed myself much in the last year, um, with workouts where I, I would be able to like accurately say something. I only had one experience, which is so funny. Um, and this is why I run regularly when friends decide that they might want to spring a 5k on me and tell me they signed up me up for one after I worked at the fair all day in like a hot like trailer making fried cheese curds. I think I was hecka, like, I think I was hella dehydrated um, the next day when we ran that 5k because I was having a hard time keeping up. And then I got nauseous and I was like, please don't let me throw up all over these nice people that don't know me in this small town while I'm doing this random 5k. Um, and so I was like wondering to myself, like, could it ha that have been that I just needed more electrolytes because it was hot. It was in the middle of August, you know, and, and the whole night before we had been frying cheese curds up at the fair. So. Highly possible. Highly possible. So, I mean, it's, it's thinking about these things, you know, where when you're younger, you can bounce back so fast and you just don't think about it. Now, mm -hmm. we were talking about competitions and, and competing and you've got some stuff coming up and I'm guessing you competed while you were working on trying to get your hormones in balance. Did you, did you compete? Did, did you learn? I actually didn't because the two okay. competitions. So, um, 
in late August, early September was when the qualifier for the competition in December would have been. Um, I did four out of the six workouts um, just to kind of see or just to do them. I didn't register for the qualifier. Two of them I didn't do just because my they were heavy and my shoulder I knew wasn't ready for it. Um, I was, so I looked at, like, compared my scores to the leaderboard on the qualifier afterwards. I was, like, close to last place on all of them. Wow. Like, and it's a competition I've qualified for in the past. Like, like I was usually kind of last person in type thing with the qualifiers to, to the competition, but I've qualified. So, and, like, knowing it's, like, you know, I know people on the leaderboard. And so like knowing people on there, I'm like, I knew where I used to be. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so, and then there was another big competition here. It's a local comp, but it's got national exposure and just at the level I was at, I'm like, I'm, I'm not doing it. So I've judged them at them instead since I couldn't compete. Um, but I finally feel like I'm to the point that I'm like, let's see where I, where I add up with people. So I, I did register for a qualifier coming up now. Okay. Okay. You know, I, I mean, and, and most folks who are listening to this probably right now aren't competing, but I like to like, just see kind of anything you've noticed. And, and the fact that you're going back into it, I think is really key because I think a lot of folks feel like, oh no, I'm done. Like I'm not coming back from this. This is it. Have you had to work through some mindset stuff around coming back and, and not just judging and moving forward there? Absolutely. And even, um, so I'm, I do want to back up a second. So yeah. at the competition, I was talking to a girl I know, um, who I'm friends with now. And, um, was, we were just talking kind of like why I wasn't competing that and everything. And she's like, you know, she's like, I'm kind of feeling that sluggishness. She's like, maybe I should get my hormones checked. And then I was talking to, um, someone else I know out who, um, is involved in high rocks races as well. That's how I know her. And, um, she, we were just kind of messaging back and forth recently as we were, since I wasn't going out to the race in December, she's like, why aren't you coming? And I was like, well, this is why, um, she's like, Oh, like maybe I should get that looked into. So it's really, really interesting, like having these conversations, but along with that, so I'm registered for high rocks in May and, that same friend, she keeps trying to get me to both times I've raced in the past. She's like, why aren't you racing at the higher level? Like you're strong. You should be racing at the higher level. And, um, one of them, like, I just, there was a couple of different life reasons I hadn't, but, um, so I messaged her the, um, after I registered, I'm like, I'll see you in Anaheim. And she's like, and I was like, she messaged me back and I was like, but I'm not racing pro. She's like, why are you not racing pro? Cause, and I was like, well, I said, I haven't competed since all my hormone issues. I said, I have a qualifier here in February and the open. I said, I'll see, let me see how my body feels with that. I can always change division. So I am kind of at this point where I'm like, I'm mentally ready to compete, but at the same time, I don't fully know what my body's ready for. So I, I like at the same time, I'm like not fully ready to like jump into that higher level. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, I think it's good to keep, keep realistic right in the head about where what you're ready for and and you know obviously things change but I think it's also realistic right we have to be mm -hmm. thinking realistic and and thinking you know what can I do and how can I keep 
coming back, right? Or, or moving forward. But what's so interesting is that you had talked to other folks and they're like, oh, I'm experiencing this too. And it's funny because we just don't, we don't seem to talk about hormones yeah. and, and what we're experiencing as much as one would think, you know? And that's why I want to get on here and talk with you. Cause I'm just like this, there's just, it's starting to get more talked about, but it still really isn't talked about a ton. And, and it needs to be, especially in the athletic population as things are like, we're getting sluggish or we're feeling weak one day or multiple days, or just things aren't feeling quite normal. It's, you know, it's one of those things that I'd be curious, you know, if there's a little bit of ego going like, I don't want to tell anyone that I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling my, my best. Or I think the other side of it, which may be even more real, at least what I experienced in my head was, am I not eating right? You know, what am I doing wrong? What mm -hmm. am I doing wrong is what kind of ha kept happening in my head. Like, what am I doing wrong? Why, why do I, you know, I'm trying all these things. Why do I feel like crap? Why can't I do a pull-up? Why is, you know, my, my deadlift and squat, why are my numbers going down? And, and did you feel that way at first? Like, what am I doing wrong? Did you wonder? Oh, absolutely. That's why back in July initially, I was like, oh, I must be overtrained. And like, I haven't taken a break in four months, like, which is normally my time frame of like, okay, I need to like five days off. So that's why I was just kind of like, okay, I'm hitting the overtraining point. It's just take some time off. It's fine. Um, like I had no clue at that point that I was just like, oh, maybe it's a hormone thing. It was just like, this is just how I feel when I get overtrained. It's time to take a break. <laughs> and, and you know what, I mean, ultimately overtraining, you know, what, what does overtraining mean for the body? A lot of times I do think that overtraining does tank our hormones. I mean, I've seen in labs of, of women who, who we could say overtraining, we could say hormone imbalance. We could say probably both of them together, their DHEA, which is brain to ovaries and brain to adrenal signaling for hormone production. It was low was really low. And I'm like, my gosh, you're like menopausal level, you know? And, and some women of course will stop their periods, you know, it'll stop out of nowhere and they'll be like, Oh, I'm in menopause. Cool. But really it was overtrained because I've done that to myself multiple times where <laughs> I stopped for like months and months and months because I'm under eating and also overtraining. So and, and let's talk about that for a second, because I, a lot of women will talk about body composition change and kind of like you were saying, you know, you lost some definition. Some people will talk about gaining weight and gaining weight in particular in the belly. And they're like, I never had belly fat. Now I have a little belly fat. And then first thought is to cut calories and, you know, jack with that side of things. Did you, did you start playing with diet at all in terms of thinking like I need more protein or I need, you know, less carbs or any of that stuff? I didn't, I mainly cause I knew the level I was still training at and I knew, and maybe it should be adjusted as hormones change. Um, but I knew kind of where my sweet spot was for protein, fats and carbs. And it's kind of where I've stuck. Um, with that said, I also like, so normally because I'm training two hours a day, like I'm usually have to get 3000 calories just to make sure I don't like, I can still gain muscle. Don't lose, don't lose weight. Um, 
But I'm like, if I'm at my 3000 and like, I'm hungry, I'm like, I'm going to eat. I'm not going to be like, oh, just let's just go to bed and try to sleep through this hunger or whatever. Um, so I do, I know where my sweet spot is for um, what I need to take in, but I also have learned just to really listen to like, if I'm hungry, eat more. Um, but there are some days I'm like, you know what? I know I'm still short on my 3000, but I'm also not hungry anymore. So I'm just going to, so I'm kind of giving myself a little grace too, knowing as the phases of the cycle change, as my hormones are changing, that, that in, those intakes are going to, may need to change a little bit. For sure. I know that calories, I mean, it, it's, it's interesting for a lot of people who are training, we kind of figure out how, what we need, right? And we, and we know so well, like what works and what doesn't, but it really, it's crazy how, how it can flux depending on where, where the body is. Now, one of the other things that you experienced was some heat sensitivity. And I think for a lot of people, we think hot flashes, but heat sensitivity can be a little bit different than that. Give, give us a little explanation of how, how it presented for you. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, I wouldn't put it in a hot flash standpoint, but it's just like, I mean, obviously I live in Phoenix. Our summers are warm, but I've lived here for 20 years. Like I'm kind of used to it. Um, but this past summer, like my air conditioner temperature wouldn't have changed. It's the same, pretty much the same thing. It's always been. Um, but all of a sudden in the middle of the day, if I was at home and be like, I'm just kind of like really warm right now. Like, I feel like I just need to like go my sports bra and, um, and I'm just kind of like, okay, it's weird, but whatever. Um, and like, same thing, like at the gym at times I would notice, like I was just a little bit warmer than what I normally am or at work. I would just notice I'm a little bit warmer and it wasn't necessarily like I said, hot flash. I just noticed like just kind of a little bit warmer. Um, and then the same thing kind of going to bed at night. I never got like the night sweats, but, um, same thing, just like laying in bed, like, I'd just be like, I need, I always have my fan on in the summer. Um, but normally I'll do like a sheet on top of me and the fan. I'm like, I wanted nothing to do with the sheet for a period of time, like just falling asleep. Once I like got into bed, my like metabolism dropped and whatever, it would go away. But, um, I definitely noticed just a difference there. Um, that, that I haven't since. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, it's wild. Cause like we, we describe hot flashes, like feeling flush and warm, you know, but, but when you're like, I don't want extra things touching me, you know, <laughs> including, including my partner, <laughs> straight away. Um, <laughs> I I've experienced that myself too. I haven't had like a full on, like I'll get warm, but I've never had like a full on kind of hot flash, but I have had that heat sensitivity and I've also felt it with workouts. I got overheated really mm -hmm ass and I would be like open the doors open the doors let me get outside did that ever happen to you where like in a workout you just were like tired and it was more of if I would go for a run like mm. normally in the summer I can I mean okay it's not the smartest thing to do but it can be like 100 degrees and I, I'll go for a run and like it won't even, wouldn't even phase me necessarily um but yeah, this past summer, I'm just like, I would go for a run and be like half mile. And I'm like, I got to walk. Like, I just don't like, I'm not feeling it. <laughs> um, so during the like workout, I'm trying to remember when I was at the gym. Yeah, a little bit at the gym, but I think I noticed it more and maybe it was more of the like cardio based workouts rather than like the lifting based workouts. But, um, but yeah, I definitely noticed that. 
Well, you know, I, I think when you, you're used to a hundred degree temperature and, and being in Arizona, I mean, I think it's all like what you're used to, right? Well, oh, absolutely. hundred degrees, I'd die. <laughs> like, but I go running when it's negative 10, you know, so you can take the, you know, and, and look at things that way. And like negative 10 actually feels nicer now than it used to. And I think maybe I am running a little bit, bit warmer in that department. So you know, it's, it's just, it's fascinating all the different things and, and all the different experiences we have. And I, I just, I was really excited that you wanted to talk about it with me and, and share, you know, your experience with folks, because I, I really think it's valuable to, to talk with your friends and, and, and talk with people about what you're experiencing and, and what's going on and just sharing. Cause I think, you know, in your case, you being so open to share with me and what was going on, I could identify and be like, this is what's happening. And so now, you know, you can share with friends, of course, seeing, seeing patients as a physical therapist, you probably see folks having symptoms. Have you seen, have you had anybody on, on your uh, table have a hot flash yet? Um, I definitely have. I mean, even prior to this, I definitely have, but it's been interesting because um, like, I don't mind talking about this stuff. And so like, as I have had patients in there, like mid forties to young fifties who are kind of going through it too. Like it's been like, just have some really good conversations with them about all the things. Yeah, no, it's, it's fun stuff. It's fun stuff. So now of course, fast forward, you're, you're doing better. Things are balanced. Period's not, not crazy heavy. It's back, back and regular from what I some heard. Some days they still are, but most of them are good now. And and here's the thing, you know, like, as we've talked about, like, it, we'll flux, the body's constantly in flux. And right now, it, it's definitely going to have ups and downs. Mm -hmm. And and one of the big things that I always love to kind of, you know, highlight for folks is that hormone balancing is not just a like, you get it balanced, and you're done. There's maintenance, there's things to be paying attention to, there's things to be watching. So now that you're feeling better and, and you're dialing things in a little bit more with, with coming up training and things of that nature, have you implemented certain things to track and watch to keep yourself on top of some of the hormone shifts that are coming up as, as you move forward? Yeah, as far as tracking, I not a ton. Like I do track my cycle. I've done that for quite a few years. Um, partially because every time you go for your annual appointment, they're like, when was your last cycle? So I'm like, probably need this on the calendar. Um, <laughs> I wish to be able to tell you that. <laughs> right. Um, also, so there's no surprises. So I, I can keep track. I'm like, okay, probably in three days, I should probably have carry stuff with me. Um, but for me, I think the biggest thing is just list like paying attention to how my body's feeling. Like if I start not sleeping well again, if I start having the heat sensitivity again, or um, just any of those like symptoms I was experiencing before, or even initially when we started adjusting my hormones, um, I started having symptoms of low estrogen. And so we had to do some things to, or we just like took away, um, took out how many days a week I'm I was taking my dim complex to, cause it got too low. And so, um, I think just knowing now what those symptoms of low estrogen is as well. Um, I can just really pay attention to like what my symptoms are and if I'm starting to see or notice anything that's different again, so I can figure out what we need to adjust again. At 
Huge, huge. Let's talk about what your low, your symptoms of low estrogen were so that folks can kind of have a sense because I, I still find that one of my biggest educating points is, you know, heavy periods, having, you know, periods that won't stop, that's high estrogen, low estrogen looks different. So give us a scoop in terms of what symptoms you were experiencing. The main, the main thing slash things I noticed was like, dryness like everywhere like lips overly trapped skin extra dry my like I was waking up with my eyes dry <laughs> like crazy dry eyes um vaginal dryness like pretty much everything was just super dry Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's a real deal. It's a real deal. And I think one of the biggest things like dry eyes, dry vaginal tissue. So many women are like taking one for the team because they're like, I guess this is just what it's going to be like when I get older. And I'm like, ladies, this is low estrogen and like getting UTIs and things like that. Like this is low estrogen. We want to counter that. And especially if we're drying out, like that's our lubrication, even our skin. And yeah. you, know, you said your lips, nobody wants chapped lips. Like that doesn't feel good and cracky nails. I don't know if you ended up with any nails cracking or anything like that. I don't think I didn't let it go long enough. Cause I, it was like pretty, I'm like, when it wasn't comfortable getting a tampon in, I'm like, we got a problem. <laughs> Yeah, no, that means things are dropping. And of course, folks, she had mentioned DIM, which is known as methane, and, and it's a natural, so it's an herb formula that's coming from cabbage, cauliflower, broccoli, and we were using it to help to clear hormones naturally. But they're, you know, it's natural, but we can still overdo it in that case. And this is where it's really important to be working on, on that balance. And so now you know to kind of watch that and see kind of what, what it feels like on that end of things. Huge. Yeah. Huge stuff. So, of course, since we wanted to chat and kind of put out the message about what it's like with perimenopause and some of the different things, I would love for you to kind of tell us if there's anything I forgot about, anything else you wanted to mention, anything we we should tell folks before we sign off today. Uh, let's see. Anything you missed? As far as symptom wise and stuff I went through, I don't think we missed anything. Um, but I think the biggest thing, especially if, especially for athletes training hard is like just noticing or paying attention to that sluggishness, that weakness, like, yes, it happens if nutrition's not on point, it happens just different times, just for different reasons. But if it becomes like this downward spiral trend, like there's probably something going on and it's definitely worthwhile to get the hormones looked at. So huge. So huge. I mean, I think, you know, it goes a long way once we get older to start tracking things and to mm -hmm. pay attention and knowing like what's normal for you and what's a shift because then we can head off some of the issues. And one of the big things that of course I'd like to make sure we can help women head off is all the grief that goes with really heavy periods, the grief that goes with dry vaginal tissue, all that stuff too. But then the other big one is the body composition change because mm -hmm. so many women will notice it happening and they don't know what to do. And then it compounds. And now we've got 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds on top of a body that is a physically fit body. But unfortunately, we didn't get the hormones in check to keep the, the body comp in relative balance. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy stuff. 
Well, my goodness, good stuff today. I really appreciate you chatting with me and, and just helping women to kind of have a little bit of idea of what it's like to be an athletic woman and, and going through perimenopause and some of the symptoms that you may have. So we'll definitely make sure that you guys have more details. I'm sure that a lot of you weren't uh, taking notes while you're listening. We'll put them in the podcast notes at drjkrausnd.com. But also I mentioned Dr. Bree is a physical therapist and she is in, where, where are you exactly in, in the Phoenix area? Where, where are you? I'm in Mesa specifically. Mesa specifically. Gotcha. So folks can find you there and any, what can we tell them about finding you? Should they want to have someone that's been through some of the changes and understand training and things of that nature? Yeah. Um, I'm not much on social media anymore. You can find me on Instagram at Bree.showman. Um, it's probably the easiest at this point. Okay. Sounds good. Well, there you heard it guys. And of course you'll see some of these little clips on Instagram as well, just because we want to keep the word out there, but also help support women who are athletic, who are training and really wanting to understand what is going on with the body. And let's keep you in tip top shape because we want people strong for life. That's our jam. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much Brie, for coming on. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Jean. This is fun. Hey, fellow health junkie, thanks for listening to the Health Fix podcast. If you enjoyed tuning in, please help support me to get the word out about the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review, and just get that word out. Thanks again for listening.